Hi, this is Susan Farron, founder of First Responders Resiliency. And I'm her daughter, Bailey, and we're the co-hosts of the Resiliency First podcast, where we share the most up-to-date research regarding behavioral wellness for first responders and their families. So take a few minutes for yourself, leave your expectations and to-do list at the door, and welcome to the Resiliency First podcast. Hey, everybody. Welcome to the Resiliency First podcast, and I'm Sue Farron. Today, we do not have Bailey with me. We have Ron Schull. Hey, Ronnie. Hey, Sue. Thanks for having me back. How's it going, my friend? Awesome. I hear hmm. you've been doing a lot of surfing. Well, I try to go out surfing, but I got to get better reading the surf reports because I get out there and sometimes it's not quite what I think it's going to be, but I get to get out in the ocean and play a little bit anyway, so. The good news is, is there's always sharks. Uh, yeah. Right? You never have to worry about, sharks never worry we about the weather. We don't talk about that. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> we don't talk about sharks. <laughs> so, um, Bailey's in Bali, and she's actually on wow. an airplane headed to Bali. Mm. So, we lured you in, and today we're going to talk about sleep. Yep. And first responders. Yep. And we all know, because we do the job, that, mm-hmm. you know, not sleeping, it's so funny, you know, when we're at the seminars conferences and you're talking it's so funny you'll ask at the beginning hey how many of you are sleeping through the night and I think one of the things that makes our program work so well is we talk about subjects that are true for all of us but not everyone's actually aware that nobody else is sleeping yeah until you start talking about it so like you and I were talking before we started the show today we're not really fixing it for everybody we're just making people aware of what's happening does Mm -hmm. that make sense Mm -hmm. And so you, of course, have started on this um, journey of sleep research, which makes you, you know, you've become sort of a subject matter expert in several things, but you really were personally inspired about talking about sleep because of a personal experience you had with one of your guys, yeah? Yeah, that's what got me on the journey for sure. Would you be willing to share some of that story? Sure, for sure. So um, like you've heard before, uh, I had a captain when I was working in the fire department um, that was... Uh, you know, a little bit older than me, um, really good shape though. Like literally a vegetarian, um, actually, no, I think he was a vegan. Mm. So I'm sure he was a vegetarian. Um, but always worked out, uh, really good shape, played a lot of basketball, um, was just known for being in good shape, but he didn't sleep much. Mm. Like you'd get up to go on a call at two or three in the morning and he'd be sitting in a chair watching TV. Oof. You know, sometimes four in the morning, five in the morning, he'd be sitting in a chair watching TV. And then in the afternoon at lunchtime, you know, he'd sit down after lunch to take, take a little break. And sometimes he would crash out and, you know, you could hear him snoring and deeply sleeping. Like he just, it's like his whole circadian rhythm got messed up. So he, unfortunately, um, after working a 48 hour shift, he, 13 hours after he got off duty, he had a career ending stroke. Wow. Yeah. And, um, like the last guy anybody would expect right, to have right. that happen this, to. Right. right. This is the guy that's in shape that everyone thinks, oh man, he's just, you know, he's going to live forever. He's in great shape and, um, would not be the guy that you would expect this to happen to. Right. There are, you know, underlying factors that you think, you know, like being overweight or, um, just not you know, taking not care having of a good himself. Diet. Right. And this was not that guy. So when he had a stroke, a career-ending stroke, um, you know, it was it was it was pretty devastating to a lot of us. We were really, you know, looking at what's what we're doing and what's going on in our job, and like how did how did this guy how did this guy have a stroke? And so he had to get what's called a qualified medical exam, 
um, an examination by a doctor to determine if any of this injury was job related or not. Mm-hmm. And the a neurosurgeon examined him and determined that his stroke was 100% non job related. Wow. And I'm like, and you thought, I thought that's a bunch of crap, man. How, does he know what we do for a living? I mean, I had no idea that sleep had anything to do with it, but I just, I started like getting on the internet and looking up stuff, just researching like what, what effects are there on sleep and first responders and you know, the way our, the way our sleep patterns are so jacked up, how we get up and go on a call and come back and try to go back to sleep and, or stay up for hours or don't get any sleep sometimes on calls. You know, we've all experienced that, that have been in the service for any amount of time. Yeah. And you actually mentioned something when you teach on this subject, you say the world health organization. Yeah. What was it they say? Yeah. So they actually classified working, um, shift work like that night shift work as possible carcinogen. Wow. You know, that's something that causes cancer. So like, so I really started going down the wormhole of what, what does not sleeping enough, how does that affect our body? And getting back to Steve, how, how not sleeping enough affected him in a stroke. I found out in many studies that if you're a regular healthy person, right, don't have any underlying, um, factors that would lead to a, a a stroke, like, like I mentioned, high blood pressure or obesity or something like that. You're just a healthy person, but you sleep less than five or six hours a night regularly. Mm -hmm. You're like four or five times more likely to have a stroke than anyone else. Whoa. And so I was like, holy cow, how could that, like, what, what? What's that all about? I, I want to interrupt just to say, you know, one of the things that's super cool about what you did and one of the reasons why I think it's just been such a great fit for us to have you with the organization is you're passionate. You're like a dog on a bone. And you not only changed that whole QME thing, which I'll let you talk about here in just a second, but you you really brought attention to this through the attorneys that were representing him. And you did a total solid for him in in his memory because he eventually you know succumbed to that stroke mm-hmm. but you honored his family in the process mm-hmm. right what a what a cool thing you did and what a what an incredibly i don't know honorable thing that you did so you i want to get back to what you said is so the initially that QME says uh, it's 100% not job related. Mm-hmm. You start doing the research, yeah. like you said, going down the wormhole, yeah. and eventually what happens? So uh, for two years, I start feeding this stuff to his lawyer. Like she didn't even know, right? They don't. They don't even. They don't look at this. They don't. They weren't, I guess, as passionate, like you said, as I was. It really pissed me off, honestly. Yeah. That that I, I I mean a neuro, a neuro doctor, a neurologist examines him and says it's 100% not job related. Really. So, and a firefighter doing research finds out that it's find completely out related. A bunch of lot, not just sleep, but other things we do um, that have to do, you know, we, we talk about the how stress affects parts of our body too, mm-hmm. and the strain it puts on, the cortisol releases. All these things have effects on our nervous system. It's all, you know, a synergism. It's a syner- synergy thing, right? Yeah. It's not just that he didn't sleep enough. So there are a lot of things going on, and like I said, for a couple of years, I kept bringing this stuff to the attention of his lawyer. And, um, and just sliding her notes in court too, right? Literally, I heard that. Yeah. yeah, literally going to depositions with her and sliding her a little, little report about sleep or about, you know, um, how the brain changes and stuff like this. And she was, you know, she, it, it, it helped, it helped a lot. And also Steve's sister is a NASA astronaut and a surgeon, you know, a medical surgeon. So she helped me a lot, helped me, helped us get a second QME done two wow. years later. Wow which came back 85% job related, right? From 100% non-job related to 85% job related. We found a doctor that would take all this stuff I found and, and you know, look at it, 
from and he had an open mind and he had he had looked at some of this kind of stuff too so it wasn't brand new to him but through his sister and um two years of just trial and error we found a, a doctor that would look at this stuff and like i said came back 85 percent job related wow. so when did we lose steve when did he pass uh, he passed in i think it was 2012 so here, you know, years before I, I get sick and years before I start this company, it's almost like the universe has set you up to start knowing this because you did all this research, you did all this help for his family and with the attorney, and he ended up succumbing to his stroke, but you actually ended up got him on the memorial wall, right, for firefighters? Yeah. yeah. Because of you. Because yeah, of you. Oh, because of you. <laughs> you get to own that. Because that's of you, he ended up being memorialized as dying as a result of his job line of duty death yeah line of duty death that. and not just being a, a firefighter who happened to have a stroke when he got off duty because he was off duty it wasn't job related so yeah. you know good on you ronnie and and that's why you are such uh an, you know an, an integral part of this organization and i want to give you a chance today to talk a little bit about your teaching on sleep deprivation. So yeah. obviously we know, and, and you know, it can sound pretty doomy and gloomy for first responders who are listening to this, like, oh my God, I don't want to have a chance of having a stroke because we can't really change what happens at the firehouse no. or even for, you know, cops working a night shift no. or paramedics working 24 hour shifts nope. or whatever it is. But we can talk a little bit about, you know, you use the phrase circadian rhythm and I want to just let the folks who are listening, you know, you talk about what I love this phrase, sleep architecture. Mm -hmm. And you talk about how you have to have certain types of sleep, right? There's non-REM sleep and there's REM sleep. And maybe Correct. you can break that acronym down for people. And you don't have to give into all the detail, but just to help the listeners know that you actually do have to go through sort of a process when yeah. you sleep because your brain is reorganizing, it's removing old information, it's releasing or getting rid of proteins or whatever right. it is. Tell us more. So without getting too deep into the weeds, um, I can tell you that, you know, it's not just how, how we always hear we need like seven to nine hours sleep, right? Mm -hmm. And it's not like you could get two hours here, then go on a call for two hours and come back and get three hours and go right. on a call for an hour and come back and get four more hours. It's not, it's not like you're keeping score. It's not like how many, how many goals you score. It's, it's got to be continuous. And the reason it's got to be continuous, the sleep for it to be most healthy and reparative and balancing emotionally. I mean, it does all these things when we sleep. We can talk about that in a second, but the reason it's got to be continuous like that is because you do sleep in different ways. You sleep, your brain waves are different when you sleep at different times of the night. You sleep more deeply and get more physical restoration, brain cleansing restoration in the first couple hours after you go to sleep. And you get more like emotional cleansing, pruning of memories that you don't mm. need, saving the memories you need, balancing your emotions, balancing your limbic system. You get more of that like when you're dreaming in REM sleep, rapid eye movement sleep, which you have more of in the later part of your of your sleep cycle, if you will. So, So when that gets broken up at any point, at any time, those seven to nine hours get disrupted, then you're disrupting some part of that healing, whether it's physical or mental healing, um, you're, you're breaking up part of that. So that's why you can't just get two, three hours here, a little break, two hours here, a little break, three hours here, a little break, because you're most likely spending more time in deep sleep because you'll just be going to sleep after that time and probably not getting a lot of REM sleep. 
So, and then what it can do also is disrupt what's called your circadian rhythm, which we all have in us, which is just this built-in system of how our everything from when we get sleepy and want to eat to how we regulate our, our digestive system to hormones being released to repair our, you know, our body. Everything's based off the daylight and nighttime cycles of the earth. So when we disrupt that by either working shift schedules that keep us up during the night or we're up many times during the night um, that completely disrupts our circadian rhythm which like i said everything from healing releasing healing hormones to um, making your digestive system work right to you know brain balancing all these things so that's why people think oh well if i get eight hours of sleep here there here i'm good no not really it's, it's not that's not how it works you know the it's not like you can store we don't have a system of storing sleep like we can store fat in our body and use later right right your, your sleep has to get be consumed if you will you have to consume your sleep all in one chunk for it to be the most healthful so if we're talking about that that's so interesting you'd use that phrase because one of the things i remember hearing um when i was first doing my own recovery was the bridge between hope and despair is often a good night's mm-hmm. sleep. And sure. I never really put together that, you know, and I know we all know what it's like to go to bed feeling crappy and wake up feeling better, right? Sometimes mm-hmm. it's not, doesn't work, but sometimes it does. Because it's like your brain, you use this analogy in the conferences, you say it's like squeezing a sponge. You're squeezing all the water. When you go to bed at night and your brain actually goes through that architecture, it's like squeezing out all that stuff. It washes out proteins and stuff, right? Exactly. That's what you talk about. And, and so there's actually a physiological transformation. It's not just that, like you used to say, they said in the olden days, they thought you went to sleep and your brain was just still. Right. But no, no, no. there's a whole thing that's going on behind the curtain that people are just not really aware of in this industry. And, right. And I, and I want to give you a couple more minutes to talk a little bit about that. And then we're going to talk a little bit about how you feel when you're, when you're sleep deprived and everybody knows what it's mm-hmm. like because we do it. But really, how do we sleep when we're off duty? And then I want to talk a little bit about napping. Oh, yeah. So talk a little bit more about um, like the squeezing yeah. out of the sponge. So that's really important. That's, thanks for bringing that up because that is really important. And, you know, what happens is we all, we're all different. After a certain amount of time, we start feeling tired. For you, it might be 12 hours. For me, it might be 16 hours. For someone down the street, it might be 14 hours, right? Mm-hmm. But we all start after a while after we've been awake for a while, we start feeling tired. And what that is called is called sleep pressure. Mm. And what it is, is these little sticky proteins accumulating in your brain that are byproducts of being awake. Of, of They're byproducts of your brain keeping you so alert and functioning at a high level that these are just waste products. And they're mm. sticky little proteins that accumulate in your brain. So your brain starts like almost like collecting it's garbage. Like a filter. Imagine like a filter in your house, like an air filter. And every three months you need to change your air filter because it collects crap in it, right? Yeah. So your brain's kind of the same way. And every night when you go to sleep, those first couple hours of you go, when you go to sleep is when you sleep the deepest, your brain waves are the slowest. This is that physical repair time. Uh Your body's repairing like cellular damage. And it's also something called the glycemic system, uh, the glymphatic, I'm sorry, the glymphatic system. Yeah, glycemic is sugar. Yeah, that's your, your glymphatic. sugar. Glymphatic. Well, I get it mixed up. Pulling all of his science stuff, he's confusing it here, but we're going to go for it. Glymphatic. glymphatic. It's the glymphatic wow. system in your brain. And this is what flushes, it uses cerebral spinal fluid to wow. flush out those sticky proteins. But wow. you have to, you can only get it in this deep 
slow brainwave state of sleep, which you get the first couple hours of when you go to bed, wow. when you first start sleeping. And it's like it's cleaning out that filter. It's like wringing out that dirty sponge so when you wake up the next morning, you're good to go, right? What is the phrase you use? You say nutrition is... Yeah, so, so we all know that, you know, wear and tear on the body, especially working out or something, that's, that's why we repair. Why we, why we repair because we put damage on our body. Okay. So you how tear we, down the muscle and then it rebuilds. Right. That's right. why we repair because we've done damage to it. Uh-huh. How we repair is the food we put on, the nutrition we put on our body. That's how we're going to oh, repair. Wow. But when we repair is when we sleep. Ah. Right? So you could work out and eat right, but if you're only sleeping five or six hours a night, you're, you're not, you're not your letting system. your body repair enough. It's not, you're, you're not giving your body enough time. And Again, without getting too far in the weeds, I could, you know, you know that in the conferences, I explain why eight hours, I go through it, I break it down much more detail, why eight hours is so important. Wow. I love that. And, and I want to bring something up. I loved sleep inertia. Uh, I mean, sleep pressure. I want mm. you to talk about sleep inertia because you use this great analogy at the, at the yeah. seminars where you say, you know, you get a call at three in the morning and they tell you that the call's on fourth street and you know that you know that that fourth street's between third and fifth, but you don't know whether to go left or right, and you've been out of, in the same firehouse right. for fifteen years. Right, we've all done that. That what that is is that that happens when um, again the first couple hours after you've gone to sleep and your brain waves are the slowest. Mm-hmm. So you wake up during that time, and a lot of us another analogy is getting that phone call in the middle of the night, and it's like a a very good friend or you know a a, a, a family member or an emergency emergency yeah. right, and they're like. It's your mom. It's I need you to come over because dad's having a heart attack. And you're like, who is this? <laughs> yeah. Right? Because you're you your don't know brain, where you are. Yeah, your brain literally it's sl- it's at working at such a slow pace it can't compute that quickly wow. that information that quickly. And so, yeah. like I said, waking up at like going to bed at eleven thirty at the firehouse and getting up at one or something to go on a call, and it's right down the street and you're just like, Captain, I don't even know whether to turn left or right. I'm just I'm not I'm not awake enough. And that can take you. That's called sleep inertia. That can take you, you know, half an hour to 45 minutes to get back to par, if you will. I love that you use that because I think what you do, Ronnie, when you tell your stories is you normalize it for people. And so when you told that story, I remembered going on a call in the ambulance and I could not for the life of me remember where this convalescent hospital was. And the guy I was working with was such a jackass and he just, he, he, um, he just insulted me about the fact that you know, I was somehow an idiot because I, but of course then 30 years later, 20 years later, you tell the story about sleep inertia and I go, oh my gosh. And, and now what you're doing is you're letting everyone who's ever woken up in the middle of the night and they can't figure out what to do, or they can't even get their shoes tied. They're hmm. like, what's wrong with me? There's nothing wrong with you. Your brain has slowed yeah. down and you're just, you know, and that's, so, you know, we'll talk about this more. There'll be a lot of podcasts on nutrition and exercise, and we'll talk about physical stuff later, but yeah, I really like, I'm going to um, hijack your story about the air filter in the house, but I'm going to use the lint trap for the dryer. There you go. There you go. Right. Every Perfect time analogy. you do a, yeah, <laughs> every time <laughs> you do a little laundry, but I want to bring something up that then we'll talk about, you know, how, how can we tell the people who are listening, here are some pillars of sleep. This is a Matt Walker steel, right? The pillars of sleep. And so we're going to talk about how to get good quality sleep when right. you're off duty and, and, and how to nap. That's really important. Yep. But I just want people to become aware that the media hijacks this really important physiological information by using things like when people are cranky, you need a Snickers, right? <laughs> this is so that hard. whole bizarre thing where they say, you just need a Snickers because you're, we'll talk about that with nutrition, but the sugar gives you this huge rush. Mm-hmm. 
and you don't need a Snickers. You need a friggin' nap. Yeah. Right. And so don't mistake the message that you, you know, you're going to act like Betty White in a football game when you're tired and you really need a Snickers. What you probably need is a nap. Right. So if we were, let's just start with napping. Yeah. So napping's napping is, you know, is beneficial. Uh-huh. It's not a replacement for sleep. Right. But it can increase your mood and increase your performance. Mm-hmm. Um, definitely your alertness level. But it really isn't going to change your physiology like sh- pure sleep does. But the other important thing with sleep is, again, d- uh, it's how long you take a nap. That's I'm sorry, I'm just... with a nap, because um, is how long you nap. Because you don't want to nap so long, like an hour, maybe for some people, 45 minutes to 65 or 75 minutes. If you sleep, get get that much sleep you and then wake up, you might be in that like I talked about that deep, slow brain wave of sleep because that's sleep inertia right, and, and wake up in sleep inertia. And m- many people will, will remember probably taking a nap at some point and waking up and going, man, I feel worse now. Cause I slept for like an hour. I feel worse now than when I went, cause your, your brain waves are slow. You slept and, and you don't even into know that. It. You slept yeah. into that, into that level of sleep, um, that stage of sleep that makes you wake up in sleep inertia. So napping for like 25 minutes, 30 minutes or, an hour and a half, hour and 45 minutes. You know, you want to, you, you don't want to be in that 45 to 55, 65 minute window. Cause you can really wake up feeling so, worse than, than when you so went down. The key to napping is you nap 20 to 30 minutes or more than 90 minutes. You don't want to wake up between that 30 and 90 minute window. If you can avoid it. 45, yeah. 45 to yeah. Somewhere in there. And everyone, everyone knows, you know, it, just, it depends on how fast you fall asleep. Too, and you, you know? say that you say, Everyone's give yourself, yeah, give yourself 10 minutes to fall asleep. Set yeah. the alarm for 40 minutes from now, yeah. give yourself 10 minutes to fall asleep, give yep. yourself half an hour to sleep. And then when the alarm goes off, you'll wake up feeling refreshed. Yes. Yeah. I love yeah. that. It's, it's yeah. Timing is, is critical in napping. I love that. And I really like that whole, um, you know, waking up, just helping people recognize what's happening. And so if we were going to kind of tie up this story with, you know, the best ways for people we really want to teach people, first of all, you can nap. That helps. Mm-hmm. Uh, we can also meditate. Mm-hmm. That actually uh, helps regenerate a little bit of the brain function when you've been really tired from a shift. Get your brain into a slow brainwave, theta wave, right? Slows down your yeah. brainwaves, which is what your brain's doing when it's going to sleep, slowing down. So it, it stores a little more. Brain yep. to slow down. Yeah, and it gives you a little more energy. But if you were going to just tell somebody, let's just say, um, okay, so we've got the napping at the firehouse or at the, you know, at the station if you can. But if you were going to give somebody a couple of high quality things to do at home so that when they do go home, they prioritize sleep. And there are some really key components. And I'm just going to mention one and then I'm going to let you land on that. You know, one of the things that we talk about with people is recognizing there's some really profound things they can do. And I've been listening to a lot of this recently. I listened to a podcast on it yesterday or a, a training they said getting sunshine mm. when you first wake up in the morning mm-hmm. does a great has a huge impact on melatonin production at night that it actually assists in that melatonin production at night which helps you sleep and we could talk about melatonin too and it also if it may kicks up your cord- helps kick, kick off your cortisol your nice. natural cortisol your cortisol naturally occurs between like 6 and 9 in the morning it's like your morning cup of coffee wow. and getting out the sun stops that uh, melatonin, like you said, and helps kick off the cortisol too. I love it. Yeah. And one of the things, so I know that having discipline around your sleep schedule when you're off duty, right? Going mm-hmm. to bed at the same time, trying to get up at the same time. Mm-hmm. Real important. One of the other things that you talk about is getting off of social media. Like they say, don't 
don't get connected to social media, your telephone, your TV, or your laptop for the first half an hour after you wake up. But before you go to bed, what's mm-hmm. the rule on that? What's yeah, that? that's there's a couple reasons for that. And you know, social media is usually on our phone or our computer, which is a bright screen, mm-hmm. and we usually have that very close to our face. And what that can be doing is emitting that light. Is is we didn't talk about this, but there's um, there's a structure in your brain that is activated by light and darkness and when when it starts getting dark out it starts producing this stuff called melatonin which Mm -hmm. is a hormone that helps you fall asleep and when it starts getting light out it stops producing that melatonin and starts producing cortisol which helps you wake up and serotonin and serotonin right sarah wakes you up and milk puts you to sleep there you go and (laughs) exactly that's a good way to remember it and so so it's based on you know the daylight and and the darkness coming on so um, you can really mess that up by having light, you know, looking at a light right before you go to bed, shining in your eyes. Like I used to, I mean, when I was still at the firehouse, I'd see, you know, other firefighters laying in their bunk and you just see their face lit up. Stare, like one in the morning, they come back from a call and they're, they're, they're just doing, they're looking at something. Yeah. And two things are happening besides the light pouring into their eyes, possibly stunting the release of melatonin. Um, they're stimulating their brain, right? Whether they're looking at social media or you know, something they want to buy on Amazon or YouTube, you know, they're stimulating their brain to be active and alert and functioning. So it doesn't you know, want to, it doesn't, or, doesn't know to go to sleep. Right. So that's the last thing you want to do, right? You know, having, you know, turning your lights down in your house really low. So it's, you know, at night, at yeah. nighttime. So, the, you know, how you have dimmers or light, you know, if, even if you can just turn the lights down, if you don't have dimmers, the few lights you can have on at your house in the evening, the better. If you can get away from any kind of screen for the last 45 minutes or half hour, which includes your TV. Um, if you have a TV in your bedroom, get rid of it, get rid of it. Right. You don't need it in there. No, I love it. You say, we know that, uh, that your bedroom's meant for two things, sleep and sexy time. That's right. That's the only two things. Your bedroom, your, not bedroom. your bedroom, your bed, your bed. Right? So you don't want to be laying in bed with your computer or doing laundry or laying in there watching TV. Cause your body's like, Oh, we do something else besides sleep in this bed. Right. When you get in bed, your body knows this is the place I sleep. Wow. And having, you know, if I can add a couple other things real quick, having it as dark as you can have it in there, um, especially if you sleep, you know, past the, when the sun comes up, if your schedule allows you to sleep past when the sun comes up, even that little bit of light coming in through your drapes, you want it as dark as you possibly can get in your room right. till you wake up. And, and really, really cool too. Uh, I didn't mention this, but your brain needs to drop like two degrees to initiate sleep. So... A lot of people notice how much easier it is to fall asleep in a cool room versus a really mm. hot room, right? You you want to be snuggled up with blankets and be, you know, 60, 65 degrees isn't bad. My room is usually like 62 to 64 cozy, degrees. Cozy and cold. Cozy and, you, and cold. You kind of joke about with your wife, Crystal, you say that, you know, you're sleeping with different levels of blanket cover Absolutely. because she's she's colder. Yep. And she and that's why we always snuggle up to the guy beside us, right? Because you're like a, like a hot water exactly. bottle. Exactly. That's just kind of a genetic thing. Guys tend to run hotter and women run cooler. My wife does have two extra blankets on, on her side of the bed but you know it's 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 healthy and to sleep in a cold and and also noise oh that's a I really another that. important i love that is having a you know especially the older we get again i won't get into the weeds on why this is but as we get older uh noises keep us awake easier noises hmm. background noises that didn't used to keep us awake when we were younger will keep us awake as we get older so having like a constant sound background 
noise like a sound a, machine sound machine white fan, noise white noise exactly really 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 helps i mean that really really helps so it needs to be colder in the room so we want to keep a maybe a window open or a fan or ac we want it to be dark in the room we want to not be watching media tv laptop for mm-hmm. an hour before we go to sleep maybe start turning the lights down you know get into a routine you you say you're going to bed at 10 o'clock at 8 30 you start turning the lights off mm-hmm. you know you have only a few lights on in the house or maybe you know, you light an electric candle. I'll just say electric because, you know, firefighters mm-hmm. and fire. Um, so you get off the, the the electronics. You cool the bedroom down. You make sure the bedroom is dark. You talked about a sound machine. I know that eight hours is really important, but do, would you mind real quickly mentioning um, an alarm? Yeah. That's if a, you don't need one. That's a real good thing. Um, if your routine, and I mean like normal routine, is that you get woken up by an alarm clock regularly then you're definitely not getting enough sleep. Like if you were asleep and your mm-hmm. alarm clock wakes you up regularly, you're not, getting, you're enough not sleep. getting enough sleep, right? Your body, we're the only animals on the planet that don't get enough sleep. Wow. A cow sleeps as much as it needs. A giraffe sleeps as much as it needs. Pick an animal. It sleeps as much as it needs. They mm-hmm. don't have alarm clocks or schedules, right? We're the only ones that deprive ourselves of sleep. And the health, I mean, I could spend another hour literally just talking about the health, both physical and mental, um, you know, effects, negative effects of not getting enough sleep and the positive effects that people, that people sleep better and transforms their lives because they're sleeping better. I mean, people that retire from this kind of work and I I noticed it. I mean, I could tell you guys, I mean, I could tell you the differences that I noticed in myself, right? When I was able to sleep, it took many months, but I started definitely noticing it, like dreaming again and stuff like that. Mm. I didn't dream for a long time. And my, cause my, body was so out of whack of getting up numerous times at night and trying to go back to sleep and yeah i really like this ronnie and i i you know i oftentimes use this analogy for people that your brain its primary job is to keep you alive it really wants to do all sorts of things autonomically or automatically we'll talk about that on another podcast but your brain really just wants to keep you alive and the truth is it becomes like a spoiled eight-year-old it doesn't it just gets what it wants because you don't discipline it. But if we can start telling our brains, listen, I don't really care that you want to stay up until one in the morning binging on Netflix. I'm not letting you do that because it's not good for me, right? My body, I'm not going to perform well. And so creating some, and I'm just going to use the word because I need to, and I just want you to honor my efforts to use this word. And it's a word that Matt Walker uses, and I think he's probably from England or something, but he goes, structure. Structure. He doesn't say, he doesn't say structure. structure. He goes, and structure. And I love that. <laughs> but he says, you know, we really have to have discipline around sleeping. So we really did cover a few things here. You want to know electronics. Try not to wake up to an alarm clock. This is when you're off duty, obviously. Keep the room cool. Keep the room dark. Consider having a sound machine. I'll offer just a couple of thoughts because one of the things that I do instead of a sound machine is I actually play a rain at night, the sound of rain. Mm-hmm. But in mine, it has subliminal programming because we'll talk about this. Ron's other. great. Ron is great. Ron <laughs> is great. Does it say stuff like that? <laughs> yeah, that's the one I've got. <laughs> and it just, it, it's positive uh, messages because we know that that theta brainwave that your brain slows down to is where all that subconscious programming took place when you were a child. And so when you can listen to it at night or not listen to it as a case may be, and it programs, you can actually, I found myself waking up happier after I listened to stuff like that. And maybe it is because Ron is great. (laughs) Um, The other thing I want to just throw this out here and we'll just kind of close up with this last thought is one of the things that our, um, our guy Todd talks about is 
getting your legs up the wall because when you're in a chronic state of fight or flight, all of the blood is shunted out of your core and your brain into your arms and your legs, but most of us don't even recognize it anymore. We're in this sort of chronic, low-grade state of fight or flight. And if before you go to bed, you just lay on the floor with your legs up the wall for 10 minutes, it sends the blood back to your belly, and your belly and your nervous system communicate about the fact that, hey, I don't think Ronnie's in fight or flight. And, and you'll actually start to feel more relaxed and sometimes even a little bit sleepy. Um, we'll talk about it at another show where we talk about nutrition. I want you to talk about caffeine mm. and how getting people off of these energy drinks after oh 12 in the afternoon off a of coffee, because even alcohol, we'll talk about that too, because we think that alcohol gets us to sleep, but it has something called a rebound effect you talk yep. about. Alcohol rebound effect. So that you sleep initially really hard, but then you wake up. Right. At like two or three in the morning. It happens the older we get. And everyone out there listening to this knows exactly what I'm talking about. You could have a couple beers when you were 20 and go to bed and sleep all night and have a couple beers when you're 60 and, and you're going to wake up at three in the morning yeah. and be wide awake for an hour or two. And it's like your body processes alcohol differently when you get older, yeah. more negatively. And so if you're a first responder and you're waking up every night between two and four in the morning with that startle response because your sympathetic nervous system is in this chronic state of fight or flight, just consider trying some of these techniques that we've talked about today. Um, we really want you to be able to get the rest that you need so that you can feel a little more alive again. And we've got a lot of podcasts to do in the future. Every time we do a podcast, I'm like, oh, we got to do 10 more on this subject. Mm -hmm. But right. at least this is a start. And you really are our, our science guru. Mm -hmm. We love having you there. You're, this is one of the most popular presentations that you do at our seminars. And I, so I want to thank you for mm -hmm. being part of this and for being willing to do this. Um, you're not as cute as Bailey, but you're good. You're good well, in the podcast. You know, I'm a little older. <laughs> <laughs> and um, for those of you who are listening, you know, we hope that this has been beneficial to you. And I would like to close this session with the message that Ron and I give every time we close one of our seminars, which is, "Thank you for being here. Thank you for listening. And let's go change the world together." Yeah, you guys take care of yourselves. Be safe. We'll see you soon. Bye.